Welcome to Silverline Behind the Frame, episode number 18. I'm Josiah Ness, and in this episode, I get to sit down with Natalie Hudson. Natalie is the CEO of NAH Inc., a public speaker, an author, and an outdoor enthusiast. In this episode, she shares her journey on how she started with a blog, showing her workouts and meal plans, and building it into a successful seven-figure business by creating content around her life and her passions, as well as going through a divorce and raising two kids. Thanks so much, Josiah. I'm Natalie Hodson. I am a mom of two young kids, so I have a boy, Lincoln, who's nine, a daughter who's six. I'm a CEO and an entrepreneur and a podcaster and a healthy lifestyle. I do a lot of public speaking. And I sell digital products. So I sell ebooks, uh, membership sites, courses, and my primary audience is women. And I specifically focus on women, especially after they've had babies. Um, and I started in the fitness space, and now my brand is focused more on personal development and creating a strong woman. Welcome, everybody, to the Silver Live Behind the Frame podcast. Today, we have a special guest, Natalie Hodson. Right? Yep. Did I say you got that right? it. You got it. And um, I can't say everything that she does right now because <laughs> she does a lot. Um, she's all over the place, but we've been good friends for a while. And uh, we're super excited to have her on the podcast because she's got a really cool story. And obviously, you'll hear that here in a second. So, Natalie, why don't you introduce yourself and tell people what what you do. <laughs> so my job's kind of unique. And thank you, Josiah, for having me. I'm really excited to be on the podcast. Um so a little bit about my backstory, um, I'll tell the quick version and then I'll kind of go back and tell the long version. But I always say I accidentally fell into the fitness industry. I was a history major in college. So if you would have told me like 10 years ago that I'm doing what I do now, I would have not even believed you. Um, but um, when I, so I have two kids, a nine-year-old little boy and a six-year-old little girl. And after I had my son, I gained 70 pounds when I was pregnant. I had 10-pound babies, so I was like way Whoa. out here, yeah. <laughs> and really just as a way – so I, I was trying to figure out how to lose weight, and I did one of the free programs on bodybuilding.com. And really as a way just to keep me accountable, I um, – started a, a blog and it, it was kind of like one of those things where I was really embarrassed to tell people I knew in real life about it. Uh -huh. So I kept it kind of quiet, but I like to cook. And so I started sharing healthy recipes on Pinterest, which Pinterest back then is not what it is now. I was taking like flip phone photos and nice. it was not good, <laughs> but, um, uh, I started generating a lot of traffic to my, to my website. I was getting like 30,000 people a month. So I was like, well, if I'm getting all this traffic, I'm, I might as well monetize it. So I went online and, and got a personal training certification, but honestly, like I got probably the easiest certification you can get. I always say I'm not the, like, if you want the really advanced, smart personal trainers, don't pick me, but I'm really good at the basics and getting people motivated. So I started writing eBooks, training mm -hmm. programs, and they started selling really well and I was doing well. And, um, and then I went through a divorce about four and a half, almost five years ago. And so the divorce kind of took a while to get finalized. And so I stopped selling pretty much everything. Cause I didn't know how assets were going to get split. And so the divorce got finalized and, um, I got the business as my half of the divorce and it was really scary. This was really, it wasn't that long ago. Um, it was about three years ago and I, I was like, okay, like we didn't do child support and alimony. I'm like, my back's up against the wall. I have to figure this out. And I remember, um, I had like three months of rent in my checking account and I was like, I've got to figure this out or else I'll, and I knew I could go back and get a regular job, but I, I knew that I had this, like this passion to work with women and help women. And, um, 
So I started learning about internet marketing and I just started seriously like geeking out. And that's my personality. When I get excited about something, I'm like, I'm like all in, you know, and I read this one book called dot-com secrets and, um, it's about internet marketing. And I started opening the page and I was like, oh my gosh, these are real secrets. I pulled a notebook out and I just started writing. How can I apply this to my business? Turn the page. How can I apply it to my business? And, um, I looked at my Google analytics and I was like, well, what is my audience telling me that they already want from me? And so I, uh, the number one blog post that I hadn't even written was this weird word called diastasis recti, which is basically after women have babies, um, oftentimes their ab muscles get separated and they don't come back together properly. So they still kind of look pregnant and they don't know why. And it's really just anatomy needs to be um, adjusted a little bit. And then also a lot of times, um, after women have babies, if they laugh, cough, sneeze, jump on a trampoline, they'll accidentally pee their pants a little bit. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> we're getting real now. <laughs> yeah, we're getting very real. I hope you guys are okay with that. So, um, uh, I coincidentally had started this company called Dollar Workout Club, which we had modeled after Dollar Shave Club. And during one of the workouts, I was wearing gray shorts. It was all jumping exercises. And I literally like had peed my pants on camera. It was so embarrassing. I wanted to take that footage and like throw it in the trash. And I didn't want anybody to ever see it. And I thought to myself, I thought, I think I'm onto something here. This is something that a lot of women struggle with. Nobody talks about it because it's really embarrassing. Hmm. And, but it's really common. And I had just had a friend, um, uh, actually backstory. I hope you're okay with me telling this, Josiah. Uh, years ago, I actually did pageants with your sister. Yep. And yep. so one of the other girls that we did pageants with went on to get her PhD in uh, this particular area. So she came to me and she said, Natalie, don't be embarrassed about this. Like, this can be fixed, you know? And I was like, what? And I didn't believe her. And I was kind of embarrassed. And finally I said, well, you're like the smartest woman I know. How about you put me through this four week program and let's see if it works. And it was just a series of weird exercises. And, um, it did, it completely fixed the program or the problem. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I know that if I was struggling with this, so many women must be struggling with it too. Like we need to write a, a program. So, um, so I remember it very clearly. I, I reached out to that doctor the day after Thanksgiving. We started writing the book the day after Christmas and we launched it January 31st. So it was like a month, a month, a month from the time I had the idea and we launched it and it was, it was crazy. And, um, in four months we did over a million dollars of a $37 ebook wow. and it then, <laughs> so then all of a sudden it was like, Whoa, this is exciting. And my whole life has changed, you know, cause fast forward a couple months before then. And I don't know, you know, I'm sure a lot of people listening might relate to this. It was like a time in my life where I just gone through a divorce. I felt like not only was I actually broke, but I just felt very broken. You know, I wondered like, what value do I have to give anybody? Or is, is my life always going to feel like this? And so it was really cool because I, like said I was going to do something and then actually did it. And it was this roller. It was like this, um, uh, I don't know. It was like this, it, it started this like process that I've, that I have now of like setting little tiny micro goals and then allowing that to like build your confidence and in the, in like the successes and the failures, you know? Mm -hmm. And so anyways, then all of a sudden it was like, holy cow, we have this multi-million dollar company and it was just me in front of my laptop. And <laughs> I was like, I need employees. I need customers. We're getting like 300 emails a day. And I didn't, wow. I, my brain, I can't organize a spreadsheet to save my life. Like I can't, I couldn't respond to emails fast enough. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to hire employees. And then, 
And then we had that quick up and then things kind of went down and stabilized for a while. And I had to learn how to run Facebook ads and I had to learn how to build funnels and do email sequences and all the stuff that, Mm -hmm. like I said, I was a history major in college. Like I didn't know what the heck I was doing. And so I made a lot of mistakes in the process. Um, We hired some people that I've learned the value of having a good attorney (laughs) and like having contracts in place. Mm -hmm. And um, now we're at a pretty good stable place where we've, um, continue to launch lots of other ebook programs. I wrote a pregnancy training program. I wrote a crockpot cookbook. I have a four week shred program. Um, and uh, I have a business coaching program. We launched a podcast that got ranked in the top 200 of business podcasts. Awesome. So, anyways, that's some kind of the longer, um, the longer story to where we're at now. So, now the goal is actually, I'm trying to get out of the fitness industry. There's uh-huh. so much vanity and ego in the fitness industry and i just don't yeah and Mm -hmm. i i don't get a lot of actually i don't get any fulfillment anymore by posting a picture of me in a sports bra like i just don't i don't have the desire to be super lean like i used to and i don't i think that temporarily motivates people but i actually Mm -hmm. don't think it gives long-term motivation and so really well i'm trying to build this brand of this idea of a strong woman who's strong in three pillars strong physically which is what i've always done in the past strong emotionally. So a lot of women struggle with body image issues or self-love, self-care, or even I've done some coaching uh, recently on helping women transition out of that divorce phase. Um, And then strong financially. So uh, living on a budget, um, getting out of debt, building businesses from home. And so those kind of three key pillars are what I create all my content around now. Yeah. No, that's, that's super cool. How did kind of going back to when you when you, when you developed the book uh-huh. and then put that out and then it just all of a sudden exploded, how, <laughs> like, what did you just, how did you put that out and how did, how do you think it gained all that traction? Was it just completely organically? Was totally. it like through Amazon or like, what was yeah. that? How did, how did you, how did that happen? How those are, the, yeah, those are awesome up? questions. So it was kind of twofold. So part of it is that I already had, did have a really big audience and I had done cool. that just through blogging. And in fact, I almost had this chip on my shoulder, like, I'm not going to spend money on Facebook ads because I built this without any money behind it. And really that was kind of a naive mindset because there is a lot of value in running paid traffic to your content. Right. Um, so I had this big audience of about half a million people. And I think it was about 400,000 then on Facebook wow. and about, that, I don't know. Four, and when, and this was what, three years ago? Three years ago. Three years and that's ago? really okay. the glory days of Facebook ads. Like right. Facebook doesn't convert as well as it used to. Yeah. Um, and so I started to really look at all the data and I started making data driven decisions. So for example, um, uh, if I knew that I could acquire, a, I could run a Facebook ad and acquire a customer say, well, let me take a step back. So I knew on, on average, somebody would come to my website and ebook was $37. And then I'd offer things like we call them order bumps. So it's kind of like when you order off Amazon and then they say, you might also like X, Y, and Z. So we do that on our website. So that increases your total cart value, the amount that a customer is going to spend with you. So for me, my average customer spends about $54. And so I knew, okay, if somebody spends $54, I'm willing to spend $25 through Facebook ads to acquire them. That's like walking up to an ATM, putting in a dollar in, getting $2 back. Like I'll do that all day long because right. it's not, mm-hmm. it's not a cost. It's just an investment. It's a cost to acquire the customer. Yeah. So I started looking at all my conversion rates. And so I use a software called click funnels to, um, that I run that I sell all my programs through. And I like that software because it gives me all the statistics right in front of me on one screen. So I started looking at, okay, I know that from these Facebook ads, um, 
I'm converting, you know, a certain percentage are going to go to the website. And then from the website, I have about a 30% conversion rate of the 30% conversion. I know 10% are going to take the order bump. So I started just looking at the numbers. And once you know your data, you can actually just back end into the math. So once you know how how much it costs you to acquire a customer, then you can set a budget for how much you're willing to spend. And it kind of just became a numbers game from mm. there. So we run mostly Facebook ads to okay. answer your question. So Facebook and Google works okay. And then actually Pinterest works really well for us right now. Awesome. And I bet you that would work really well for you too. Cause you have, such good photos. Um, I am not the artistic one. Like I always joke if it was up to me, my house would look like a bachelor pad. Like I didn't decorate right. my house. I'm not good at that kind of stuff, but, um, we started, so, so Pinterest is actually the world's third largest search engine. So there's, there's Google, I don't know if it's Yahoo or Bing, but then Pinterest is third. And it's all women, which is my demographic. Mm-hmm. And so we, I was like, gosh, my audience is on Pinterest. Like we need to figure this out. And, um, we kind of, at first it was a lot of mistakes, like a lot of trial and error. Um, people go to Pinterest for free stuff. So free workouts, free recipes, free house decorating tips. And so we were driving them to our sales page, but it wasn't converting at all. Like at all, we were getting like a 0.1% conversion, mm-hmm. um, even though we were getting a lot of traffic. And so what we did is we brainstormed a little bit and I thought, well, what if we do, what if we offer them like a seven day free trial into one of my programs? So we have a pop-up now that comes up for the Pinterest traffic that says, um, uh, hey, do you want seven days of free workouts from Natalie? And then what we do is we have email sequences that come to them after that. So basically anybody that comes through the free program, then they get an email day one after that, day three after that, day five, and then we upsell them into our programs from the email sequences. Gotcha. So I'm geeking okay. out on internet marketing say, here. You, Sorry. You went totally on. I was like, that's, that's I, cool. I went really deep there. So I'm, yeah. no, I, I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, I mean, there's a lot of people that do it. There's a lot of people that don't do that. And I feel like there's a lot of people that are in that smaller portion of like, how do you jump into that? And like, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you find all that information? How do you, you know, obviously there's a lot of trial and error yeah. and there's a lot of money that comes with that as well. It's like, you got to, you got to pay to play kind of thing, yep. but then you're going to, you know, it's just like anything you're going to, you're going to pay a bunch and then like, Hey, that didn't work. So you got to totally. switch it and okay. And I got to pay. Okay. That worked, yep. you know, kind of go back and forth. So, so one of my secrets is, um, I think sometimes people see people who have an audience like mine, a big audience, and they get intimidated by that. Like, of course you could do that Natalie, cause you have a big audience, right. but actually you'd be really surprised. Some of the smaller accounts are are actually just as valuable because they have much higher engagement. So an account like mine, Facebook suppresses. So on average, people only like, I get maybe 10% of my audience actually sees my posts Mm -hmm. unless I'm willing to pay to boost it. And so um, oftentimes smaller accounts can be really, really valuable because you have a ton of engagement. And so that's where I always tell people to start is um, create really, really good content. And still to this day, about 80% of my content is free. Mm-hmm. And I always am thinking in terms of what would be good shareable content, right? So you can put a post out there that's just kind of bragging about what you do or highlight reel, right? But if instead, if you can craft it in a way, so a lot of times, and this is kind of like internet marketing psychology, is that um, a lot of times people will share content if it increases their perceived status. So that's why funny memes get shared, right? Cause people yeah. share it and they're like, Oh, my friends are going to think I'm funny because I shared this funny meme right. or, um, like really good heartfelt posts get shared a lot because people think, Oh, if I share this or like really intelligent posts sometimes will get shared. Cause people are like, Oh, if I share this, it's going to make me look smart. Like I agree mm-hmm. with that person. And so I think of how can I write my posts in a way that somebody would, would be giving their friends or their, you know, their, their family on that they're friends with on Facebook that would be giving them value by sharing my content. Um, 
And then, like I said, about 80% of my content is just really good quality content. And about 20% is, is, you know, promotional, like things that I'm selling. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps because it creates that bond with the audience. If you're always like, you only have a certain number of posts. We were talking about this earlier that you can put before people start to kind of like tune out, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, then the other thing is, and this is kind of, I would say what a lot of people know me for is, um, specifically, like I talk, I talk about things that people don't usually talk about. So I'll pull back the curtain and I'll, that's kind of how I got started. Um, I was just, you know, like I said, I was getting traffic to my site. I was sharing. And what happened is I got asked to go to the Arnold sports festival, which is a really big fitness festival in Columbus, Ohio. And I went out there and I was really, I was not like a, one of the main people, I was like a box cutter behind the the scenes, like, (laughs) like opening the boxes, handing the supplements to the real athletes. Right. right? And, um, but there were some people that had kind of followed my page or had seen, you know, my before and afters with that bodybuilding.com program I did. And one girl came up to me afterwards and she said, um, you know, I love what you do. And I, but I just could never look like you. I've had two babies and I have, I have all this stretched skin on my stomach. And I, and I looked at her and I said, well, I have stretched skin on my stomach too. Like almost all women do from having babies. And she was like, well, it doesn't look like it in any of your pictures. And I had this aha moment where I realized that every picture I had been putting up was like perfectly posture. You know, if you have the right (laughs) posture, you can hide things. And I went home that night and I, her, that conversation really struck me because I thought, what am I not showing that I see in my real life, but I'm not showing to other people. And so I just whipped my camera out that night and I was in my bathroom and I just, and this was before, I mean, smartphones now it's easy to do this. I had like an actual camera I was holding and I just kind of relayed that conversation. I said, I want you guys to know, like when I, she's right. When I stand up, I've got a six pack and I'm really lean. But when I bend over, like that's, I got all this stretch skin. And I remember my 16 year old brother was living with me at the time and I showed it to him and his eyes got wide and he was like, Natalie, do not show that to anybody. He's like, you will lose all your followers. That's disgusting. And of course he's a 16 year old boy, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Dang little brothers. You have a big family too. Yeah. I'm a little brother to three older sisters and an older brother to two younger sisters. So I get it. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, yeah, exactly. And I have five brothers. I have five brothers, four sisters. So I've got a big family too. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, uh, and so, um, anyways, I didn't listen to him and I posted it and it was really, I remember that was one of the very first vulnerable things I shared and I was so scared to post it. Like I remember I hit post and I couldn't even look like my hand was shaking (laughs) and I didn't look for like 30 minutes (laughs) and then I came back and there were just comments getting poured like crazy. And, and I, you know, remember, remember this was probably eight years ago and now I feel like people share this kind of stuff a lot on social media, but that wasn't, that wasn't shared back then. And it, it went really viral. That video got like, um, couple million organic views and increased my Facebook following by a hundred thousand people organically. And so, um, I think the, like, if I look at any time, anything has been successful within the business, it's when the core, like root of it has been kind of something vulnerable. Right. So the abs core pelvic floor, that program really took off because I had a video of me peeing my pants, you know, (laughs) I mean, that's embarrassing. Like nobody, I had to have like a real heart to heart with myself before we launched that program and say, okay, Natalie, am I willing to tell the whole world that you used to pee your pants, you know? But, um, I talked about the stretch scan. I talked about at one point we were $170,000 in student loan debt. And I've shared that story and kind of how we followed Dave Ramsey's program of 
living on a tight budget and like taking mm-hmm. every side job imaginable. And we, we paid that off and I've shared stories. Um, so I grew up, uh, my mom was in and out of prison most of our life. And, um, I shared that story in a podcast actually. And it was times 10, uh, the most downloaded podcast we've ever had because wow. the thing that's interesting is most, like everybody's family has some form of dysfunction. Right. And, right. but we all hide it because we don't yep. want people to, we want people to think that like, we have it together. We have our stuff together. And the truth is, and I learned this from somebody named Brene Brown and her work like changed my life. And she said, once you own your stories, those stories no longer have power over you. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And like, there's this, there's this, um, she, she teaches that shame and vulnerability can't survive together. So, um, and shame is the belief that you're not good enough or you're not capable of change. And so with my business, what I've tried to do is infuse vulnerability into my products, into the way that I talk to people. And, and what it does is it actually reduces the amount of shame that people feel. And so by default, you're teaching them that they are good enough, that they are capable of change. Mm -hmm. And, um, the thing that's funny about vulnerability is that a lot of guys, especially like, no, I'm, I'm not vulnerable. I'm a a man. I'm not vulnerable. And so another way to say that is just be real, right? Right. Like for you guys showing some of the behind the scenes stuff that happens on your trips. Like I'm sure you have so many crazy stories (laughs) of like Uh mistakes that have been made. And when you're willing to really pull back the curtain and show the mistakes, the journey, that's when people feel connected to you and to your brand and they start to trust you. And so from a consumer, you know, from a business standpoint, when people trust you, they'll buy from you. But it's a, it's a, it's a fine line between trying to be authentic to get customers and actually just genuinely being authentic. Um, and so how did that, as far as kind of going back to, being vulnerable and cause I feel like a lot of people will have that thought of, you know, they want to put out some kind of content, but they don't think that they've, they've done anything or can have, they don't have experience or like, you know, how can I, you know, I can't give anybody advice cause I don't feel like I've done enough totally. to do anything or leave, you know, putting out different kinds of content and stuff like that. How did you take that and like, Hey, I just, you know, here's my story and you use it as like, that kind of platform and putting that stuff out and like, mm-hmm. Hey, here's what my process or here's what I've done. But you know, like the fitness stuff like that, yeah. you know, the people think that, Oh, you have to be at the top, top to start sharing yep. how to get there. But people that aren't like, how did you make that? Totally. How, how did you, how did you start putting that stuff? So the thing that's kind of interesting is I think, I'll, and I still struggle with that. It's like imposter syndrome, right? Like I'm right. not good enough. And, um, I think that, I think the most important thing is actually just to get that idea out of your head because the truth is, and it's true. Like if you look at Hollywood too, in movies, right? People don't necessarily love like the, the person that always has all the success people like people love, like why do people love Rocky? Because you saw like his struggles and his failures along the way. Like why do people, um, (laughs) for some reason, this, movie popped in my head, the movie cars, like with lightning McQueen, (laughs) right? Like he actually didn't even win the trophy cup at the end, but people still love lightning McQueen because they saw the journey that he went on the whole entire way. And so what's interesting is like, uh, whether it's in a movie or whatever, it's not like the characters that you love. It's not necessarily because they won, right? It's not necessarily because they were successful. It's because you saw them like falling down, dusting their knees up, standing back up, falling down, dusting their knees off. And that's, that I think is the fastest way to build a quick audience. And so what I say is there's, there's a message in your mess, right? And so 
there's relatability and like people can see what you're doing and be like, wow, like I want to do that, but they're the ones actually out there trying. And that in itself can be inspiring to other people. Like when I first started, I wasn't a chef, but I started sharing recipes just because I like to cook. I wasn't a trainer at the time, but I started sharing and I wasn't sharing like, I try not to go outside of my scope of expertise, right? So I'm not going to pretend that I'm like, can give doctor advice or anything, but what I can share and what I am really good at is how do you get motivated for a morning workout? What are some three things that you can do to help with that? You can lay out your clothes the night before you can set your alarm with like positive messages as the (laughs) title of the alarm, right? You can have your water bottles ready in the morning. Um, so what I did is I knew I wasn't good at everything, so I didn't try to pretend to be good at everything, but the things that I was doing well at along the way, I shared that. And then I shared the stuff I was struggling with too. And it's so interesting because when you're the one being vulnerable, it makes you feel small and scared and like, like it's scary, but to everybody else, it looks brave and courageous. And, Hmm. um, and so when you're the one sharing, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, people are going to think they can't follow me because I failed yesterday. Right? right. But the truth is, is that people actually see that as like, wow, they failed, but they stood back up and they're trying again. And like, that's what gives the hope and the encouragement and the motivation to get people to like rally behind you. Yeah. You know, huh. that's super cool. Yeah. I like, cause that, you don't hear that. You don't hear that kind of stuff at all. <laughs> How do you translate that into, obviously you've been doing that for a while. Cause it sounds like you started trying to get through that mindset mm-hmm. and like, what was that kind of that barrier finally that aha of like, no, I, I, I need to start putting this stuff out and then totally. need to start speaking to it and people start engaging. And then, you know, obviously now, you know, like following on your social media stuff, you're, yeah. you're always posting about that. Like, I don't, like, I think the one that like, I was like, Whoa, she actually put in something about you and your kids. Something like you got angry at your kids, and I was like, "Holy smokes!" Like, no one talk, you know, no one yep. says that stuff. And then, like, I started reading because um, I think it was on a post on there, and then you did a couple of stories after that. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of started. Obviously, I don't have kids or anything yeah. like that, but I was just like, I know what that's like from a big family, and like, yep. you know, I just yelled at my kid, and I was like, "Wow!" Like, she's really <laughs> like putting that out there, and then it's then it's interesting. Like, drew me, and I'm like, "Well, what? Why does it?" How how does someone else see that? You know, <laughs> totally. and see through those eyes and stuff like that. So it's so what's interesting is the re- the reason that um that I keep doing it is because it keeps working. Like every time that I really share, and I think it's different. So the for you guys listening, the story he's talking about is I I literally like lost it on my kids one morning, and I I, I don't remember all the situation, but um I think my daughter had a meltdown and the kids were complaining about like the nice breakfast I had made them. And, um, they had been on their iPads a bunch. And I even like, I even like told them that I was going to take the TV and throw it over the fence. So it was going to get smashed <laughs> yes. in the round. That is so awesome. That's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not trying to like do no. the real that, but like, I love that kind of stuff because that's how I grew up. And so, and, and I feel like so many people were like, Oh, like, you can't get you can't get over, over extreme stuff like that, and I'm like, no, that's like, that's how you get their te- like their attention. And like 100%. my dad did that with us so much, and I <laughs> at the time I hated him for it, but he was the best dad because he did it a thousand you know? percent. And, and I did the same thing. Like, like my dad gave me the toughest love, and there 100%. were times where I just hated him, but now he's the person I come to for parenting advice, yeah. and I love him so much. Because, and then the other thing and we're kind of getting off topic here, but the other thing that my dad would always do is he would give it to us hard. I mean, he was not always nice, but he always ended it with, you know, I love you. Right. So I always knew I was loved even when we were screwing up. And so I try to instill that in my parenting now, but, um, 
Yeah, I like lost it on my kids. I yelled <laughs> and then the kids started crying and then I started crying and they went down to their bedroom and I had to, I like, I just let them sit in their bedrooms for a minute and I came and I sat upstairs, I ate my breakfast and I thought, okay, I need to go talk to them. And I went down and I said, I said, I love you and we need to have better rules and boundaries at the house. And I, a lot of this is my fault because I've been letting you on. I call the iPads evil. Like I swear <laughs> they change my kids first now. And I'm pretty good about it for the most part, but I yeah. had been letting them send to the school year. I'd been letting them watch TV too much. Totally. And so, um, I dropped, I normally would walk to school. I was like, I can't deal with walking my kids to school. So I drove them to school <laughs> and I came back and I, you know, I had no makeup on and I don't know why I decided to pull my phone out and do an Insta story, but I think part of it is like, I wholeheartedly believe that, like I said earlier, the more you own your stories, the less the stories have power over you. So like for me, talking about those moments makes me feel more connected as well, right? So other people listening to it does two things. One, it kind of gives them permission to reduce like shame and guilt around a freak out because it's like, we all do that sometimes. Right. And then um, two, I shared kind of, I mean, I didn't have an answer for how I was going to work through it, but I shared my strategy of like, here's what I think I'm going to do. So I'm going to be more strict about eight o'clock bedtime. I'm not going to let the kids have iPads or electronics from Sunday night to Thursday to Friday, like after school. And, um, I need to focus on my own self care. Cause when I'm not taking care of myself, that's when I lose it. Right. Yeah. And so by kind of just thinking out loud in a, in an Instagram story, what it did is it got other people to see like, Whoa, I've been in her shoes too. And maybe, maybe I could work through it that same way. So again, it comes back to that relatability, mm-hmm. but that one Insta story so typically I'll get like 10% of my followers watch my stories. Yeah. That one, we had like 10 times more views on our wow. stories than anybody else. And I had, I think in the first two hours, I had like 300 DMs from people like, wow. oh my gosh, That's I'm so awesome. glad you shared this. I'm so glad. And so, um, you know, I think, I think the other thing to add to is sometimes, oftentimes when you share something really personal or vulnerable or real or whatever the word you want to use, Um, there's something that I call a vulnerability hangover that you can often get like that happens and that's normal. Um, where you're just like, Oh, like you get like a sick feeling in your stomach. Like, Oh my gosh, what did I just share? What are people (laughs) going to think? Like, why did I do that? Oh my Uh gosh. Oh my God. I actually had that feeling not as much after the mom guilt because the immediate response was so big, but, um, I did a really big podcast. So taking, just digressing for a second. Um, so I kind of mentioned it earlier, but growing up, my mom was in and out of prison a yeah. lot. So when I was in seventh grade, she was in prison for a couple of years. And then when I was 19, she actually stole my identity and wrote like $30,000 in bad checks. And it was a bad deal. Like I had to testify and, wow. and I had this weird, logically I knew it wasn't my fault, but emotionally I felt like I was taking my brothers and sisters, mom away from them. And yeah. I struggled with a long time for a long time about it. So Um, I did a podcast talking about it and that one, I had a massive vulnerability hangover over it because I was like, what are people going to think if they know this part of our, my story? And, uh, I don't, my mom, nobody knows where my mom is now. She, we think she's living in Australia or something. And Mm. then I started thinking like, what if she hears it and what are people going to think? And I did not handle it well, like at all. Like I went (laughs) hiking and then I came home and drank like a bottle of wine. I do not (laughs) recommend that just uh, putting that out there. But, um, so here's the thing is that oftentimes, um, when you put something out there that's vulnerable, you're going to feel vulnerability hangover. And for me, um, I found a couple things that work really well. So first off, it's important, I think, to share, um, scars, not wounds. So if you're like 
in the thick of it. And there's a fine line between that, right? Because I shared the mom screaming thing and that was in it. But if there's something that's very raw to you still, I think it's okay to maybe like, I pull out the notes section of my iPhone all the time and I'll write the raw emotion of how I'm feeling. Because if I try to write about it later, when you're past it, you forget. But then I have, and not full sentences or anything, I just have the raw emotion that I can pull from later. Um, But sometimes when you share things and you're in the thick of it, Um, it can almost feel uncomfortable for other people to hear it. And sometimes it can just come across the opposite effect that you're trying to have. And so that's why I say, give your, if it's something that like, for me, I always think if I were to get any bit of criticism back, would it shatter me into a million pieces? If the answer is yes, then I hold on to that story for a little bit and I wait to share it. Mm -hmm. Maybe the, maybe the reason I could share the mom guilt thing in the moment was because I think I know I'm a good mom. So I, if somebody criticized me, I wouldn't feel bad about it. Um, and, and then share your stories later, but, but categorize those, right? Because if you have this arsenal of stories that you can then later share in your Mm -hmm. branding and your messaging and your marketing, the way you communicate with people, it will create this massive loyalty that people feel to you. Cause all of a sudden they're going to be saying, Whoa, like she's saying all the things that I think in my head, but I'm not afraid to say, or I'm too afraid to say out loud. And then they feel this instant connection with you, you know? And so I mean, that's the angle I've taken. I know there's a lot of other people that have had success sharing just the perfect side of things, but I kind of think this is like a shortcut way to grow a quick brand and loyalty. So like if somebody's just starting off, and again, remember, you always have to go back to 80% of your content has to be really good content, right? right? Mm -hmm. And that's like real life. Like we don't go around being vulnerable 100% of the time. It's like 80% we're just normal. And then maybe 20% of the time we'll open up and share like the real stuff. And um And then I think create that community, that tribe with your people. Like you don't have to have millions of customers. You have a handful of customers that you go really deep with. And then maybe you have the first product that you bring them in on. And then you down the road, they see value in you and what you can offer. And then you upsell them to the next level of your, I call it a value ladder, right? So you walk them to the next level, they get tons of value, then they want to buy the next thing. And so Sometimes I think people get intimidated because they're like, oh, I don't have tons of followers or I don't have a big platform. And that's okay. Like start with what you have and foster those relationships with your community and then allow that to grow. Yeah, that's cool. So did you, kind of going back to the earlier days, did you have any of this stuff in mind? Like did you, you, (laughs) more so on like building a brand and a business and doing that full time, um, was that, did that ever cross your mind when you were younger or in, you know, up until you started doing this stuff? Did, was that kind totally. of like, were you like, Oh, Hey, I, you know, <laughs> I want to have my own business when I grow up, you know, was that, was that in there or is it just kind of just, it, you've kind of started going to it and rolled through it? And- yeah. So, um, the, no is the short answer. Like if you were to have told me, Oh, you're going to be an influencer. I'd be like, that's dumb. <laughs> but, um, you know, going way back, I mean, so when I was a little kid, I was really tall for my age. So this is a crazy story because now I have a nine-year-old and I'm like, how did I do that? <laughs> so when I was nine, I lied about my age and I said it was 12 so I could get a paper route because it'd be 12 to have a paper route. And I'd get up every single morning at nine years old at five in the morning and they'd have a stack of newspapers on our door and I'd fold them, put the rubber band around. Wow. I would get my mom's old bike trailer and like fill it with newspapers and I'd ride my bike and throw the newspapers out. And so I think there's just, I think I've always been like, I always joke I'm a busy bee and not everybody likes that about me. Cause I'm always got yeah. my hand in a million things. Um, but I've always, I've always enjoyed working. Like in high school, I had three jobs in college. I just, I worked a lot. But, um, as I got older, I started to realize like 
in the past, I've been using my time for money, right? So mm-hmm. hourly wage, and I was a good worker, but it, that there's a cap on that. Right. And then um, after college, I got married when I was really young, and uh, my husband at the time got ex- he's really smart, so he got accepted to all like Harvard, Stanford, Carnegie Mellon, and so he went to grad school at Carnegie Mellon, and. And he'll say the same thing. Like if he were here in this room, he would say the same thing. Like he got the degree, but I wrote like 80% of his papers probably. <laughs> so I got a really good education from it. Right. Um, and and so I was just working in sales while, at the time. And then I got pregnant and I had our first son. And so I was just a stay-at-home mom. And I was really happy with that. Like I see a lot of value in raising your kids and being there for them in the young, in the young days. But what happened is um, uh, we – so – we basically, I came from a really poor family and so did my husband's family and, um, was really poor. And for us, we felt like education was the way out of that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, we didn't have a way to pay for school, especially mostly as it was grad school that was really expensive. And so we just took on all this student loan debt. And at yeah. the time it was like, everybody takes on student loans. It's not a big deal. Well, then you graduate and all of a sudden we had this massive burden on our shoulders of, right these big student loan payments. And my ex-husband at the time, he had a great job. He was working for Exxon Mobil, really good salary, but we lived in Washington DC at the time. So rent was crazy expensive. Our student loan payments were like 2,500 bucks a month. And this was, you know, 10 years ago. And it was like, he came to me one day and he's like, you're going to have to go back to work. Like we just can't, we can't dig ourselves out of this debt without you working. And I had a two month old baby at the time. And I was like, gosh, I couldn't imagine putting him in daycare and also daycare is really expensive out there. So I, that's when I started learning about Dave Ramsey and geeking out on everything that he taught. Cool. So I took on like every side job imaginable. Like we have pictures of me mowing lawns with the baby, like tied to my back. Yes, and awesome. yeah. And, um, I babysat like, so I had another little boy, the same age as my son that I watched and we lived, I, I was in charge of the family finances. So we lived on like this teeny, teeny, tiny budget mm-hmm. and every single penny we made and saved just went to paying off that debt as fast as possible. And then, um, and then at the time, my aunt was selling, um, it was a direct sales company called Sensi. So that's like wax and warmer candles. Yep. And they hadn't really been introduced to the East Coast. And so I, this is a funny story too. So I, um, I thought, well, maybe I could make some extra cash doing that. So I sat down and I said, well, I'm only going to do this if I can approach it like a real business. And so I sat down and I gave myself six months to make like a real full-time income. And I wrote out, and so I made my husband sit on the couch at the time and I had like P&L statements and projections and like a whole business plan basically for how I was going to grow the Sensi business. And I did, I didn't do home parties. I would travel and I'd go to, um, I travel and go to like craft shows and I'd set up a booth and I learned really quickly in, in, in direct sales companies, you don't make a ton of money from selling the actual product. You make it by building a big team. And so, and I could just talk to people all all day long. So I'd sit behind the table and I'd talk to the women. I'd say, you know, you could sell this too. And anyways, really quickly, I built a downline of like 5,000 women. And, um, that's what I was actually doing when, I say I accidentally fell into the fitness stuff. And so the fitness stuff started taking off and I couldn't manage both at the same time and raise babies. And so, um, I ended up selling my Sensi downline, uh, which (laughs) that in itself was, I had to like, 
since he wouldn't allow me to sell it. So instead of just like giving up and saying, oh, I'm sad I can't sell it, I like repositioned my offer and presented it again. And they said no. And then I repositioned my offer and they said no. And I re- so I repositioned four times. And then wow. finally they allowed me to sell my downline. Um, we sold that for a six-figure amount. And we used that to basically wipe out the rest of the student loan debt. And then what we had left, I used to kind of leverage my fitness business. So that's awesome. That's a lot of the kind of stories there. But, you know, I, I, I always knew there was something in me like that. And I think, you know, with the sense, I didn't care about wax and warmers. I cared about working with women, right? right. The fitness stuff. I actually like the thought of writing another meal plan or workout program <laughs> makes me want to like take a fork and poke my eyeballs out. Right. Like it's not that necessarily it's working with, with women and like helping people see their, their bigger potential and that they are capable and that they are good enough and that they are enough and that you don't have to feel shame around body image or maybe debt or your job or whatever it is that like that, that what's inside of you, like you are made for more. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of my mission is helping people realize that through my different products that I offer. That's awesome. So, you know, that's kind of, I mean, a roundabout way of kind of answering that question, but, and it's fun. And then I do on the side, I do a bunch of like, uh, uh, solo backpacking and mm-hmm. we get a lot of women that reach out and ask about that too. Yeah. And so uh, how do you, cause obviously you have two kids, mm-hmm. you've got tons of stuff going on, business, the whole thing. How do you balance work? How do you do that thing that everybody calls work life balance, which <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah. but it's just because, cause obviously you have a passion for what you do, yeah. you know, and just like you just explained, yep. uh, the passion, you know, to help women and to, you know, give them tools and all this kind of stuff. And obviously there's a big part that comes from that of wanting to do that just 24 seven. And then how do you, how do you break that off and be like, I need to stop that and either work on yourself or with your kids or go on a vacation or go backpacking. Cause I know you, you love being on the outdoors, the hunting, fishing, exploring, traveling, you know, the whole nine. Um, how do you, how do you balance that? Yeah. So first I kind of think balance is a myth, right? Like even in nature, like I couldn't balance a soccer ball on my finger indefinitely. Right. Right. And even in the seasons, like we have change. And so one of the ways somebody told me this analogy one time and it stuck in my head and it was like, if you look at the most beautiful symphony ever, right. It You have the woodwind instruments and you have the drums and you have uh shoot. What are my other instruments here? Your strings. Right. <laughs> and and the symphony is beautiful because they work together like harmoniously. But if every single instrument were to play as loudly as possible, you would like cover your ears and want to hide. But, you know, sometimes the drums are really, really loud. And then sometimes it's like the flutes and the piccolos are really loud and everything else is quiet. And I, and that's kind of like a metaphor for life, right? So sometimes there's, I'm going to have some seasons or even some days or some weeks where like my kids might be the drums that they have parent-teacher conferences, or maybe they're on spring break. And so work is quieter that week, right? Mm -hmm. Or I might have other weeks where we're really big on a product launch and I need some help with the kids. And I have accepted that that is my new normal. So sometimes my focus has to be on the business. Sometimes my focus has to be on the kids. And it's okay for those to kind of go up and down and how much time I'm able to allocate to each one. Um, and then the second thing is, um, I used to have a lot of pride in doing it all myself. Like I can do everything myself and I've got my, all my stuff together. And the truth is like that system failed me, right? Like my marriage fell apart and I wasn't. And so now I've learned to like, say, 
I do need help sometimes. Like sometimes yeah. I have um, a, a neighbor gal that comes and helps me with the kids sometimes if I have to get my work done and I need to shut this office door and like not have kids barging in all the yeah. time. I don't have guilt or shame around that because I like my kids know that mom's got to work. And then when mom's done with work, she comes and she's with us, you know, um, I don't have it all figured out. I mean, I don't think anybody ever has it all figured out. Right. I think for me, I, <laughs> I'm like, uh, really, I'm, I, I'm super focused on my business. I'm super focused on my kids. And so, you know, that's like, I think probably hurt like my dating life probably because <laughs> it's like hard for somebody to come in and I'm busy, you know? Right. So I don't know if I always have it all balanced out, but I think the important thing is for me to recognize when I'm hitting burnout. So for me, if I'm getting snappy with my kids, if I'm gaining weight, if I'm feeling tired or just frustrated easily, to me, those are signs that like, okay, Natalie, you got to put the pause button on a little bit. And then mm -hmm. I just communicate that. So I have girls that work for me now. I communicate with them. Hey guys, we need to take some workload off my shoulders or, um, Hey guys, let's push this next launch out two more weeks. So we have more time to recoup or, um, I'll schedule times where I do go to the mountains. It's my favorite place cause there's no yeah. cell phone service. So yep. nobody can bug me, <laughs> yep. you know? And, um, but for me, or I work out in my garden, if I can't get away, I'll step out to my garden and like, that's my place where I know I can recharge. And then, for me too, like I'm not one of those crazy workout people that actually loves working out. I, it's, it's fine. But for me, I know that when I'm working out, I'm happier. And like, I always yeah. feel better about myself after the workout's done. So I really try to squeeze in, even if it's just a quick workout, you know, five days a week. Mm -hmm. That's so, awesome. Yeah. What's the, um, I guess the goal for like, I guess that's not a very good question, but like <laughs> what makes you tick for that? And then that goal to accomplish, because obviously you accomplished a lot, you know, yeah. and, and in, in all facets of life. Mm -hmm. And so what's that kind of, what is it, what does that make you tick? Like, yeah. what's that thing for you? Um, I think for me, like feeling like I'm really making a difference, you know, I had to really sit down and a while ago I wrote out like a personal manifesto, which sounds cheesy, but it, um, it was like, who am I and what defines me? And then what is my legacy going to be, you yeah. know? And honestly, at the top of the list is just raising two really good kids. That's like, to me, number one, most important. But number two is like, I, I do believe that I, whether, you know, I can communicate and connect with people. I know that's kind of like my superpower. So if I can use that in a way that can positively like make a difference, like if I could, we probably get, I don't know, an email a day from somebody saying like, you changed my life. Like cool. I, awesome. I, like I had one woman that just emailed us earlier this week and she said, you have completely changed, um, the way that I view my body. She, cause I did, I talked a while ago about how, like even right now, I long story is on this medication, blah, blah, blah. I gained like 20 pounds. And I was talking about how, if you can't, um, like, love yourself when you're 20 pounds heavier, you're not going to love yourself when you're at your dream weight because you're always going to find things to pick apart. And so the best, like the strategy that I have is just look in the mirror and say, okay, this is where I'm at right now. No negative language. No, like I hate my arms. I hate my fat. Oh, my butt jiggles. Like none of that. <laughs> and then you focus on one thing you do like, and maybe it's as simple as like, I like the eyeshadow color I put on. Right. Or, Hey, my leg has a little quad pop in that. I like that. Right. And like, you're not convincing yourself that you love everything about you because you can't trick your brain to think things that you don't think, right. but it's instead shifting your focus. And what she told me is she said, you've taught me how to speak differently 
to myself about myself. And she said, I want you to know, she goes, I, I thought in my head, I would write this email like 10 different times and I'm finally writing it. And she said, I want you to know what it meant what a difference you're making because now I'm my daughter is modeling like the way that I'm treating myself and and like she isn't going to have the same body image issues I had because I watched up seeing my mom diet and hate her body and so like messages like that cool. are what get me really excited you That's know awesome. to keep making an impact and I don't know like I don't know I don't I just have that hunger inside of me to like mm -hmm. make a difference, you know, Yeah. and do what I love and create a lifestyle. Like I have a lot of pride that I have 10 women here in the Valley that work for me and awesome. they like their jobs. I hope if they're yeah. listening to this, but <laughs> we have in three years, I haven't had anybody quit. So cool. that's good. Good. Um, and you know, I have a, a lifestyle that I love. Like I work my butt off, but I also get to pick the hours that I work and yep. I get to build my I was showing Josiah my garden in my backyard and I was joking, like, I'm not a carpenter. So I just like YouTubed how to build garden beds and it worked out pretty good. And it's a really nice garden. Yeah, but, uh, it's, growing but I, up when my mom always had a garden <laughs> and so seen so many different gardens, she has a really, really Aww, good, really good garden. Self-sufficient. <laughs> well, cool. and you know what? That's Almost. what we were talking about earlier is that's kind of my, um, I don't know, my, I always joke I'm a secret prepper, right? Because yeah. I just think there's something to be said about knowing how to grow your own food, hunt your own game, mm -hmm. like process and preserve your own meat, that if something were to happen, at least we have that knowledge and that skill set. And totally. like, I want to have that knowledge to pass on to my kids or yeah. who knows? I always... I always joke I have shiny object syndrome. So I'm like, <laughs> I want to do this and this and this. But I've actually played around with the idea that like, I don't know, I think, I think like a young blonde girl could go into the prepper space, which is dominated by old white men and yeah. like totally crush it from a business perspective. Yeah. But I've got to focus on the one thing right yep. now, Natalie, yep. <laughs> you know, it's always one thing. No, but I think that's cool. Cause there's a lot of people that, um, a lot of that stuff is, is, is going, is turning into a lost art, you know, like yep. obviously, you know, we're big hunters here and obviously if you don't agree with hunting, then, you know, you can shoot us an email and we can talk <laughs> about it later. But, you know, we were big on hunting. We grew up doing it. You know, my dad passed it to us, his dad passed to him and so on, you know, and it just generationally, you know, and even gardening and even, even down cooking, you know, yeah. it's like. Uh, we obviously we grew up with a big family, so y'all yeah. learn how to cook, y'all learn how to sew, <laughs> you know, iron your own clothes, you know, yep. wash, you know, everything was taught. And now in this day and age, everybody wants someone else to tell them or, or do it for them, or, you know, yep. they want to buy that time, but that kind of stuff is being lost, you know, just growing. Like I have, I have a little garden that my mom helped me start awesome. and then like she made it awesome. And then, you know, she takes off into Alaska in the summers. <laughs> and so she like left to me and it's like, the only thing I was left is raspberries because they just grow on their own. Don't have to do anything. But it's like one of those things. It's like you learn how to and, and hunting and, and, you know, growing your own food and, and, and surviving. And, yeah. and and I agree with you. It's like, I'll say there's a lot of men that do that. So if a woman did that, that would be super cool, you know, and, and totally. dominate that space for sure. Well, and, you know, kind of a funny story. So I'm one of 10. My mom's one of eight. So we have wow. like... Tons of cousins, right? So every mm -hmm. year we have a big family reunion where everybody just brings a tent and we go to like a big That is space. super cool. Yeah. And so every so is night- So like 45 people- no, this? it's like 200 people Jeez. and it's like a huge compound almost. That's so awesome. And then like every night we have um, a talent show. So there's a talent show, there's a Dutch oven cook-off, and then Sweet. every single night a different family member teaches a different survival skill. Wow. So since I was, you know, two feet tall, I've been just learning all these different survival skills my whole life. Like, so I, you know, I know how to, how to 
grow herbs that will reduce a fever or toothache or how to build an oven in your backyard out of bricks if you ran out of electricity. And I just have this knowledge that's in my head because I've grew up with it. And I, I really do think if a female came into the space at first, people would be like, okay, there's a, yeah, there's a pretty blonde girl. She just doesn't know what she's talking about. And then all of a sudden I would like actually know my stuff and I think it could be cool, but I don't want to pivot my whole brand right now. I need to focus on what's working and then maybe in the next couple of years down the road. But, well, well, I feel like even like through your social media, you've been slowly just diving into those things, you know, when you go camping and then obviously in your garden, a lot of that kind of stuff and, and just building, like building your garden, the boxes and all that kind of stuff. I feel like you're slowly just like, Hey, here's something. And then maybe a (laughs) blog post that's about it, you know, and just kind of. The other thing that I have to wrestle with internally is, you know, I've turned a lot of my hobbies into part of the business, but maybe I save some of the stuff I love just for me, you know, and like, Mm -hmm. maybe I don't have to monetize every single thing that I do in my life too. So I don't know. We'll see. I love gardening. I just, we'll see. Maybe a couple years down the road, that'll be an avenue for sure. Have you felt like going off the hobby, turning it, monetizing, turning it into business? Because obviously that's what me and my brother done. Yeah. It was a hobby for forever and we just kind of did it and then it just kind of happened you know and just like hey we should uh turn this into business because we had a bunch of people ask for us and like hey what's your name you know like we don't have one <laughs> so um on on that part as far as turning your hobby into monetizing and turning it into a business have you felt any that like doing it too much has killed you the passion because i hear that a lot from other yeah. people for us it hasn't which has been really really good i mean sometimes you're just like i don't want to go you know for me it's like i don't want to I don't want to just go film, you know, whatever, my niece and nephew, their baseball game or right. something like that, because it's like, I'm doing that 24 seven. But it's like, I see a lot of people that do that. Like they want to turn their passion or their passion into a ho- or their hobby into a business, but then they do it for a couple of years. And then that turns into, they hate it and they never want to do it again. Totally. Have you experienced any of that? I think it goes in waves, you know, like I went through a phase where we were filming workout videos all the time. And I just was like, I do not want to work out when I'm not at work, you know, or I was filming um, recipe videos all the time. And so then I just didn't want to keep cooking after, but I think it goes in waves and that's like motivation with anything, you know? I mean, I still love what I do because of the impact that I feel like I'm making. And so to me, that's what keeps driving me. The harder part is the social media aspect, actually. Like, sometimes I feel very claustrophobic with social media, like, because <laughs> my team now has access to my Facebook messages and my Instagram and my email and my, and it's like, sometimes I wish I could just take all social media and delete it, you know, and <laughs> right? just have some privacy again. Yeah. And one of the things that I not struggle with, but wrestle with is, especially when you build a large following online, um, and I feel like I'm very real and open, um, but people people know Natalie Hodson, the brand, right? And yeah. so, and so, what's hard for me is then my close friendships or relationships in real life. What I don't like is getting put up on a pedestal or thinking like, you know, you've done this and that. And it's like at the end of the day, I'm still just a real person. Yeah. I still screw up and like. Yes, we have the social media stuff, but that doesn't, the number, like a number of followers doesn't mean anything to me other than we're able to use that to make a bigger impact. But it doesn't mean like, I don't know, like I still screw up all the time, you know, and like, I'm Mm -hmm. not perfect. And, um, so for me, the motivation behind like turning a hobby into a business hasn't been that hard. The harder part has been all the eyeballs on you with social media, just because, um, people feel like they, they know you and they do like, it's not like that's a fake version of me, but sometimes I just, I crave like 
just real life mm-hmm. relationships and connections and not all on social media. You right. Know? Yep. How? Cause I know, cause I, so I'll put this out there. I struggle with, especially lately is like posting more of, of either like work that I've done where I'm at, you know, cause I travel all the time in these cool places. And I get a lot of people like, oh, I just want to see more of like what you're doing like day to day and all this kind of stuff. But uh, for me, it's just like, I feel like that's too, I'm trying to like just brag, brag or boast about, you know, it's just like, that's just, I don't feel like that's my personality. And that's what I, I don't like that. Cause I see a yeah. lot of people that do it like, Oh, this is me. And I'm like, <laughs> like, yeah, cool. Whatever. Yeah. Like, you know, but, yeah. um, how, cause I know, cause kind of like what you're talking about, you post a lot of that kind of stuff uh-huh. where you're at, you know, like when you're in New York, I was like, Watching every day, I'm like, "What is she doing? What is she, you know, where are you at? And, yeah. Hey, I'm, you know, you're gonna put that on YouTube because I want to listen yeah. to it. And you're, you know, when you're speaking and stuff like that. And, and so I, f- I follow a lot of other people that I'm like, post more. Like, I want to see more. Of what you're doing? Da, 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 da. And then I don't on my side. <laughs> and I've had people say the same thing about me. Uh-huh. And so like, how do you, how do you work through that part of it? Totally. So I try to separate. I don't know. So my Instagram is personal and business. So that one we just put everything on there. My personal Facebook page, I don't post as much on there. And I, that's kind of more of like my kids and stuff like that. And then we have the big Facebook page, which is everything. But, um, you know, I mean, there's, there are things that I don't post on Insta stories. Cause for me, that's just a boundary that I don't, I feel like I want my privacy in that area. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like with dating and stuff, I don't really talk about that on social media cause I, it's still, well, that goes back to the scar wound thing, right? right. Like, yeah. I don't want my drama, that part of my life open to criticism or whatever right now. Right. Um, and I don't know. I just, I get so much good feedback from other people that it gets me kind of excited to share. Cool. But um, I think part of it is I share the cool, fun stuff, like the trips, but then I also just share like sitting here with no makeup in my office, typing emails. Like this is part of the boring stuff too, you know? Right. And I think, um, I don't know. I just had to kind of shift my mindset on that. Like I like seeing other people's stuff, the boring and the exciting. And right. like, maybe I should try sharing some of that more too. And then I go through phases where like, I don't share as much, you know, yeah. and that's normal to go like in phases, but you definitely should post more. People would love <laughs> it. I'm serious. And like, I've seen a lot of your stuff. Like I remember watching closely when you were up in Alaska and like, I was watching all your stories in the plane and stuff. Uh-huh. That was really cool. Cool. But I'm going to challenge you to start posting more on your stories. Okay. More, uh, <laughs> I'll comment on every define, single one. Know, right? So then like, you're like, okay, hey, good. It's working. Define what would, what's more. Obviously, I'm, I'm going to use this for myself because okay. I know I'm like, I need to, but I always get like, ah, like, how would they? How would they <laughs> so if you're feeling that? a little but apprehensive like, about it, try using some of the tools that like Instagram gives you. So put up like the questions mm-hmm. um, box or put up a poll because sometimes that's like a low barrier way for somebody to interact with you. Right. So without somebody feeling like, oh, I, I need to send them a DM they can be like, oh, I'm just going to vote on a poll, yeah. right? And so then it's like, okay, cool. People are starting to engage and interact. And then questions, when I do questions, those go crazy. People really like those. Yeah. But like you could, oh man, you could do a questions. Have you ever done that on I your like Insta story? Once or twice. <laughs> I bet you look good. <laughs> and like... then, so you have to give them some prompts. So that's the thing is that people want, per, like a lot of people probably want to ask you questions, but they kind of feel like, I don't know how to ask them that kind of question. So right. if you give them permission to do it. So I might do a video or just words and it says, you know, 
Friday questions. Nothing's off the table. You can ask me anything fitness related, business, dating, whatever. So I kind of give them guidelines or uh-huh. permission to ask those questions. And then, because if I just say, ask me anything, it doesn't go that well. But yeah. if I kind of give them like, ask me about this, and then people, the floodgates will start to open and right. people will come in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Give them parameters. <laughs> give them parameters. And then I respond to... <laughs> I So I do have a social media manager, but she mostly does Facebook because that's a whole beast in itself. But yeah. I pretty much do my own Instagram. And I try to respond to every person that reaches out or at least give them like a heart, you know, yeah. saying that I saw it. And I think that helps because then they're more prone to respond again if they're like, oh, she responded last right. time, you know. Yep. And um, I know that's a huge thing for me because you hear about it a lot, but you don't hear, you don't see a lot of people doing it. So it's yeah. like, even when like you try to put someone in like you tag them and you're like, Oh, I wonder, you know, and any kind of thing. Like I had this one guy, like, so I grew up skateboarding. Yeah. And so I remember my very first pair of shoes and, um, and I follow that company on, on Instagram. So I saw that they like, they did a post about him and it was that guy's like birthday or something like that. And so like, I, I commented on there saying like, Hey, like I, you're my first pair of shoes and like, la la la, I love you. And something, not like that. But like, <laughs> it was just like fan, it was like fangirl out. Yeah. It was what I did. And I was like, that's so awesome. And then the company liked it. And then the guy actually commented back on it. He's like, thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And I freaked out. And I like screenshot it, <laughs> send it to my buddies. I'm like, dude, look at this. This is like amazing. So, you know, it's that kind of stuff to where, and I try to do that. Like when people yep. message me, and I don't, I don't get obviously as, as many as you do, yeah. but it's like, I'll try to at least give them more than you know because I've, I've had some people and they just heart it and i'm like that's you know yeah. a marketing manager not to say that you're totally right, that, right. but it's like that's what you get and i'm like there's like there's no inner you know that doesn't i'm just like eh, okay whatever you yeah. know but like when you actually have that like thanks man appreciate it or like hey that's cool what about you you know like yep just those small things like that i'm like man that's like that's so cool like freaks out. So. I totally agree. And like, if you can reshare stuff that people tag you in, the, that goes like, people love that. And I think that goes back to like having those good, building the community, right? Around mm-hmm. your brand. So having those like really good relationships with the people, especially like your first hundred customers, thousand customers, like those are going to be the people that are going to follow your whole journey for a long time. Like yeah. I have people write in and say, I followed you since the bodybuilding.com days. Cool. I'm like, that's so cool. That that's been awesome. like eight years now, you know, something like that. And so, yeah. um, so really like nurture those relationships cause it, it will pay off eventually. I think at least that's my opinion on it. Yeah. That's cool. So that's awesome. How does, um, cause I was kind of a little over an hour now, but um, <laughs> we could talk forever. Which, I know. Yeah. I was gonna say we just we just keep it rolling. I'm totally cool with that. So, <laughs> part one, part then, two, part three, part four. No, yeah, exactly. Joking. And that's why we don't we don't really put a time limit on it. You know, it's yeah. just kind of like whatever flows and you know stuff starts happening and go down these different rabbit trails. And yeah, you know, awesome. I think that 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 free not free but like that organic just kind of flows. Yeah, is really cool. But like tying into because we talked a little bit about the outdoor stuff. Yeah. I know that's a big thing for you, and obviously yeah. you show some of it. And you don't show some of it. What's that kind of like? Do you have a bunch of trips planned out? Do yeah. you plan out a bunch of stuff? Do you try to go like super exotic outside of the U.S. or do you try to stay U.S.? And yeah. obviously you got a business, you know, and a family, you yeah. know, so that's that part of it. But So I grew up hunting and fishing. I have five brothers and we were, like I said, super poor. So that was like how we ate basically. Mm-hmm. And then um, when I was in college, um, I basically – taught myself how to salmon fish. So I went up with one person and they showed me and I hated it at first because salmon fishing is really hard if you don't know what you're doing. And, um, 
so, but I don't give up easily. So <laughs> I went up to, which is a town here in Idaho called Riggins. And I went during the week and there were all these old timers there. And I was like, I'm just going to get friendly with these old timers. And like, so I kind of scooted my way down and it's, you know, it's combat fishing and yeah. they don't, they were like, at first they were like, who's this girl, you know? But I was really friendly. I think one time I brought cookies. Like nice. I just tried to get in and finally those old guys would be like, and I was using like, I had off, I had like Walmart gear. I didn't know what the heck I was yeah. doing. And so finally they were like, okay, Natalie, this is what you got to do. And like, they taught me how to use a casting reel and they showed me like, this is the feeling that you have to feel in your fingers. And so, um, so I was okay, but I loved it. Like the catching a salmon, like every year, the first fish I catch, I have like my hands shake. I have a huge adrenaline rush, mm-hmm. you know, and I just have so much respect for those fish, like the journey that they go on and how powerful they are and smart yeah. they are. And I could start talk, sound like Bubba Gump <laughs> talking about salmon, so we won't go that route, but, um, and so every year, so after college, I moved to, um, Pittsburgh then for two years, DC for four years, Texas for almost four years. And so every single summer I drive cross country with like my kids and stuff. And, uh, just for salmon fishing, like I, I kind of watch the fish as they get over the Bonneville dam, then project like when they'd get here. And the first couple of years when I just had my son, um, I'd bring him with me and I'd like strap him on my back and hike down into our, which our fishing hole, like you had to hike over four mountain ridges to get there down like a steep, dirt cliff and um the first year was fine because he wasn't crawling or anything and then i would like i would like tie him to the front of my chest and tie the fish to the back and carry them out you know and we have pictures of me gutting fish with babies on my back and then the second year he could walk and so i hiked an umbrella stroller down there and i tied the stroller to the tree and i I buckled him in the stroller (laughs) because those rivers are dangerous you know the kids don't know the danger of water and so that way i could get my salmon fishing in and he he wasn't very he'd like to this day he's like mom you tied me to a tree so you could fish you know (laughs) and um i think that's awesome yeah and some crazy stories about that Oh yeah, it's been so fun, and I actually was featured in that salmon trout steelheader magazine, and because I because oh, no I way. taught my I taught my brothers and my dad how to salmon fish, so it's cool. kind of like was opposite gender roles, you yeah. Know? Um, and so uh, I actually held this Idaho state record for salmon for a while; it got oh. rebroken, and then I had the state record for sturgeon too for white sturgeon. Wow! Um, so I've done a lot of hunting the last couple of years, you know, elk, bear, deer, um, but I pretty much stick to Idaho. So I did some solo backpacking. I actually had this idea that I wanted to hike the Appalachian Trail, and I did. <laughs> so this is a crazy story too. If we have a minute, I can. Kind of, yeah. It's a funny story. So when I was going through my divorce, I just like. I, it was obviously like the hardest thing I'd ever gone through in my life. And so I just felt like I needed some space to like get in the mountains and clear my head. And so I think I had watched like that show with Reese Witherspoon. What's it called? Um, Oh, if if I wouldn't have just said it, I could have said the name, but anyways, there's a movie about her. Yeah. It's, it's a one word. Anyways, she, um, she decides to go hike the, uh, uh, Pacific Coast tra- is PCT Pacific Coast Trail. Anyways, Wild. That's the name of it. Wild. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so I had seen that movie. And I thought, gosh, that'd be so cool. So I said, you know what? I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail, and not the whole thing because that's 2,000 miles and it goes from Maine to Georgia. Right, that's and, long. <laughs> but I, but the caveat is, I had never been backpacking in my life ever. And so I just went down to REI and I just said, I'm going to go hike the Appalachian Trail. I'm going to do 150 miles of it. Just tell me what I need. And so they got they got me set up. I bought a pack and a water filter and shoes and um food like dehydrated food no but this is yeah i didn't train at all but this is also when i had been filming for dollar workout club so we were doing intensive workouts and stuff so So you're in shape i wasn't yeah i was in good shape and so um 
I bought a one-way ticket, flew to Atlanta, Georgia, got, how did I do this? I'm trying to remember. I think I got an Uber to a hotel, stayed in a hotel that night. Then I got an Uber the next day to the trailhead and I just went for it. And Hmm. every single day, something went wrong. Like every single day. I think the first day, (laughs) um, I... What happened? Okay, so the first day I didn't get as much mileage as I thought I was going to get. So it was dark and I was starving and tired. And I was like, I'm just going to set my tent up. Oh, well, first off, I bought the wrong sleeping bag. So I bought a junior size sleeping bag on accident and it was freezing at night. So I had to like zigzag my body and like pull the (laughs) sleeping bag up. And then, so that first night I set up my tent and it was dark, crashed. I was so tired, passed out. I woke up the next morning, it was light, and I look out and I had set up my tent in a giant patch of poison oak. And I was like, no, don't touch anything, Natalie. And um, luckily, I don't, I just didn't have an allergic reaction. So that was good. Then the second day, I, um, so the trail is marked with like, the trees have like a white, line of paint on them every, I don't know, half mile, quarter mile, Mm -hmm. something like that. Well, and then sometimes they have these little shelters like off path and those trails would be two white lines. Well, I wasn't paying attention and I went two and a half miles in the wrong direction one day. So then I then had to go two and a half miles back. So this sucked for me because I'm trying to get 150 miles in 11 days. So every day you have to hit your mileage, you know? So that was a long, long day. And then on day three, so at night you had to like hang your food because there's bears. Mm-hmm. And so I would put my food in a bag and I'd tie it with a string. And then on the other end of the string, I'd tie a rock and then I'd throw the rock over a tree limb and like pulley it up, yeah. you know? Well, this night, and it was dark already outside. I had my headlamp on. So I'd go to throw the rock over and the, and the rope like sh- like slides down into the V of the tree. And I'm like, dang it, this, is, this isn't good. So I start climbing the tree, right? And imagine me, like it's dark with my headlamp on. And this is the dumbest thing. I don't know why I did it. But I start pulling on the rope, like trying to get the rock out. And I'm yanking, yanking, yanking. All oh, of a sudden, no. the rock came out. But guess what? It like, foom, foom, and it knocked me in the face. <laughs> and I fell out of the tree tree like this and like my my arms are out and I like was I landed on my back staring straight up with the headlamp beaming up and I could feel blood just trickling down my face you know and so I went back to the tent pulled out my phone and looked and I had a Harry Potter scar on my face for the rest (laughs) of the trip you know and I mean just every day something crazy happened like I don't know just crazy stuff so um so my thing was that I was originally going to every year go back and start where I stopped. But then I don't know, I moved to Idaho and what we have here is so right. beautiful that I'm just right. like, why go all the way to the other side of the country when right. I can drive two hours and be in the Sawtooth mountains. Mm-hmm. And so, so how far did you actually make? Oh, I did 150 sure. miles. Yeah. I did the oh, full wow. thing. Yeah. Nice. I got up to, um, Franklin, North Carolina or South Carolina. I don't remember. Once I got to the smoke, I got to the smoky mountains basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really, so the thing I'd say is like five days would have been perfect. Yeah. Uh, 11 days was too much solitude. You know, That's I was like craving time. talking to people, Right. but, um, yeah. So now I do a bunch in the summer. Um, if I ever don't have my kids, I'll just, in fact, that's kind of a crazy story too. I'll tell quickly is, um, I, I had never been to the Sawtooth my whole life, even though I grew up here in mm-hmm. Idaho, I'd never been there. And I was dating this guy, uh, who lived up in the other side of the, uh, in Whitebird, central Idaho. 
And he just, like, we had the plans for me to go up there and spend the weekend. We're going to do rafting. And then he was like, "Mm, my buddy's coming into town. I don't think you should come up. And I was like, what? I was like, okay. And I was like, well, I'm not going to just sit at home all week. I have no plans. And so I just went down to the bookstore, bought a book. It might be sitting over there, actually. Bought a book on how to hike in the Sawtooth Mountains. Nice. And I just drove up and followed the, took pictures of the pages. I didn't have to carry the weight of the book. And I did. I did like the Alice Loop talks, talks, talks away. Yeah, the talks away loop. And it was beautiful. I'd never seen mountain ranges like that ever, nice. you know? And so I, that's when I really fell in love with the Sawtooth Mountains. And yeah. I try to do, I've done a bunch of solo hikes up there. So. Cool. So anyways, to answer your question, um, I don't have a bunch of like hunting trips planned. I'm sure we'll do hunting this year. Salmon fishing, we had a really bad run this year coming back mm-hmm. from the ocean. Um, I'd love to go to Alaska. That's like bucket list for yeah. me someday. So got to make it up. Alaska's fun. Yeah, I know. Lot You've been there fishing. so much. Yep. I know. Because mm-hmm. you grew up there, didn't you? No, that, um, Michael was actually, my brother was a guide. So we, we, we knew a, a guy from down here in Idaho and he started a small guide business up there. And so my dad was like, Hey, whenever Mike is like, you know, that 14, 15 year old range, you know, can he come up and just spend a summer with you and just help you do whatever you're going to do for a couple months? He's like, yeah, for sure. So he, uh, to make a long story really short, um, he ended up going up there, I think when he was 14, uh, kind of fell in love with it, did that for three years until he, um, each summer for, until he graduated. And then he moved up there and was there for seven years, I believe. And so he became a guide. And so he guided that whole time. So from that, um, we went up there once, but then him and my dad bought some land up there pretty close to where the guide outfit was at. Um, and then we've been building up there ever since 2007. So we started building our lodge and then we've been building that and that's kind of where my parents vacation now awesome. most of the year. That's so cool. So, um, so we have a place up there that we can, you know, go and fish and there's, it's the, I mean, cause you talk about salmon and it's actually the third largest salmon run in the world. Wow. And so you, we just get millions and millions of salmon. And oh it's my just gosh. some of the most beautiful landscape, best fishing. You, I mean, you get, you go up there and you get spoiled on fishing and <laughs> yeah. then you come back down here and you're like, ah, how do you fish? You know, it's like you catch two. We like catch like, one every cast, oh you know, gosh, it's just like, it's so amazing. much fun. But is it, is it like combat fishing or are there not a lot no, of people? There's, like, there's nobody. So we, we have, our place is Southwest of Anchorage, uh, about 150 miles. So you got to fly into the town and then you got a boat across the lake to where our place is at. And wow. then you got a boat up the lake, you know, to the different fishing spots and stuff like that. So there's like, when you're there, there's nobody there, you know, maybe a float trip goes down one of the lakes, um, or rivers if we're out there, but it's, you know, you don't have to worry about all that stuff. So we've been, we've been super blessed. Um, and my dad just loves it up there. So he's, he's up there right now. My mom's going to go up there here soon. So that's so uh, cool. But yeah, it's just being out in that wilderness, you know, and these amazing mountains and landscape and just seeing all the wildlife and you get moose around there and bear. Oh, that's amazing. And, and it's just, the, it's just so cool to be out there. And it's absolutely, I mean, the only thing you hear is planes, just going, <laughs> you know, like every half an hour you might see a little bush plane come flying through and it's just like so peaceful. And wow. So that's fun. amazing. So that's we cool. have a lot of fun up there. But, yeah. But yeah, being out in the wilderness and being out in those places and you can just kind of unplug and phones don't work and you can just, you know, either, you know, what they say, find yourself or mm-hmm. just kind of unplug from everything and mm-hmm. just, you know, you can go through whatever. And well, I honestly it, think some know? of my best ideas have come when I'm in the mountains, especially cool. I like hiking to hard places cause it's physically challenging, you mm-hmm. know, but then it's like you said, there's no cell phone, there's beautiful views, there's solitude, there's nature. It just makes you changes your positioning, you know, it like makes you really grateful for like what you have and yeah. like even 
I don't know. I even think living here in Idaho, we take so much of Idaho for granted, you yeah, know, like we definitely do. having There's those so kind of views, just two and a half hour drive away. Like, yep. and I don't know the fact I didn't even ever experience that till my 30, till I was 30. It's like crazy, yeah. you know? So mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice that, that we have all this, like you said, like we've taken it for granted and like, you just don't know until like you go out of your, you know, the Valley here and exploring all these different places. And yeah. have you been to city of the rocks yet? Over on so I went there in high school actually, okay. but it's been a long time since I've been there. Yeah. I think we were racing or something and their cross country uh, okay. team stopped, but yeah, it yeah. was cool when I went. That place is awesome. amazing. Just it's those... like, it's like, pr- it makes you feel like you're on a different planet or right. something, you know, uh-huh. these giant boulders that are just <laughs> yeah. huge. And you're like, where did, uh-huh. how, you know, and even just here, like two hours in almost any direction and you're into some cool country here, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I love Idaho. Yep. Idaho's a great place. But you don't have to move here if you yeah. want to. Just you yeah. stay wherever you're at. <laughs> don't move to Idaho. We're don't not move. plugging it. Yeah. Yeah. We're not saying uh, move here. Just... So many people are moving here right now. So oh, a lot ridiculous. of the locals are like, no, don't move here. Yep. Yep. I hate it. It's awesome. But, um anything else you wanna you wanna I think share? That's I mean, it. obviously we can go down oh tons my gosh. of different rabbit trails and yeah. and obviously all good rabbit trails, but like yeah. you know, we can go down a bunch no, of No, it was stuff, good. You know, we went I kinda yeah. geeked I, I I do that sometimes. I get all excited <laughs> about something and I geek out on like the internet marketing piece. But um the biggest thing I think is somebody's listening and maybe you're in a situation like I was where you go through like a big life change, right? Or maybe you just know that there's something inside of you that you wanna create but you don't know how. I think the biggest thing is just like, don't be afraid to get started, right? And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get paralyzed by perfection because yeah. we'll see, like, even somebody might go to my website and be like, oh my gosh, that website's so beautiful. Or I might look at your guys' Instagram page and be like, I'm not even close to as good as, as they are, you know? <laughs> but, like, I'm sure if you were to pull out your very first shots, like, they were probably yeah. not very Horrible. good, right? Don't look down on yeah. Instagram, please. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, my website, if I could show you guys the very first version, it was all black. It had white aerial font. Like, it was, nice. I was taking flip phone pictures. Like, it was terrible. And, like, even, like, my phone right here, right? It's the iPhone X, like the 10. But if I were to have the iPhone 1.0 in my left hand and that phone in my right, you would look at the first iPhone and you'd be like, yeah, that sucks, right? right. But, like, they had to have the 1.0 version to know what to improve to do the 2.0 to know what to improve to do the 3.0 mm-hmm. and if apple would have been too scared to put out the 1.0 version because people wouldn't like it or it might not be as good as what they saw in the vision like it never would be where it's at now and so i still have to remind myself of that like it's yeah. easy to compare yourself to everybody else out there and say well they're so much better than me or they're so much you know but the thing is like you have your own unique voice like there's a million people that are better trainers than I am better cooks better whatever but like my brand was built because I had a unique voice right and that's what I would encourage you guys listening like find the thing that you're good at and like focus like deeply on that geek out on that right Mm -hmm. because that's what's going to separate you from everybody else in the crowd the thing that you're passionate about the thing that you're that you're naturally best at right and like go deep with that and don't worry about like don't worry about the critics it's not the critics who count right don't worry about like comparing yourself to everybody else out there because first off most social media is fake anyways and secondly like you will get to that point but until you put the first thing out there you won't even know what to improve to like get better so that would be my encouragement to you if you're listening is like just get started um if you you know some of the books that helped me at the beginning were um dot com secrets which i mentioned by russell brunson um some of my favorite books i'm 
rereading right now is Atomic Habits. That book is like, it's all talking about 1% improvements. Um, the person that I follow the most on podcast is, his name's Tom Bilyeu. He was a founder of Quest Nutrition, so Quest Bars. Okay. And he it's built it to a billion dollar company, sold oh. his shares in the company. And now he owns Impact Theory, which, so... Josiah can see this. I'm kind of weird. I have like handwritten notes all over my house. It's like really weird. <laughs> like, um, I, <laughs> I have like this beautiful home and then like these weird post-its all over, uh -huh. but it's because words actually like really motivate me. And so almost all of those words were taken from something I heard from Tom Bilyeu. Like cool. his whole thing is that your identity is malleable and your identity is the story you tell yourself about yourself. And, um, that human potential is nearly limitless. And anyways, his content is really, really good. So I obsessively listen to his stuff and that like really helps me to get past the scarcity mindset and like just to take action. Like his whole thing is like at the end of the day, the, your ideas don't matter. Your thoughts, your hopes don't matter. It's taking action is what ultimately matters at the end of the day. Yeah. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Cool. So where can people go and find you yeah so media, instagram website. is natalie hodson one and i manage my own instagram so if you message me there like in fact you should shoot me a message say hey i heard you on the podcast and yeah. i'll respond um and then facebook is just natalie hodson official and then my website is nataliehodson.com and hodson is h-o-d like david s-o and like nancy awesome so, perfect well thanks yeah. again for being on the podcast really appreciate yeah. it and i'm sure we'll do this again Okay. Later on. <laughs> awesome. You're the so, best, Josiah. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you're able to glean some valuable insights from this episode. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a review and let us know what you thought and your feedback. We would love to hear from you. If you want to find out more, visit silverlinefilm.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook under Silverline Films. And we look forward to seeing you next week on Silverline Behind the Frame.